You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Guidepost. We are closing in on our hundredth episode and the end of uh, the end of season two. And I have been a bit dour and apologize for that profusely to our listeners. This will probably this podcast will probably leave you a little bit more upbeat. Um, this is. Uh, kind of an update on our false albacore uh, policy work and the preliminary data from our acoustic tagging uh, program. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil it, but man, it was better than anyone could have imagined. Um, So today I have uh, our policy associate extraordinaire, Will Poston, joining us how are you doing today sir tony we're doing good uh we had a full week of council meetings um and another one next week but i'm sure we're gonna dive into uh one of those outcomes uh from the council meeting here in a little bit you were uh you're you're looking pretty rugged this morning you were blowing leaves like uh like like any uh any any good suburbanite yeah you had lately. to had to wake the neighbors up a little bit early i gave up um, you know, when you live on a wooded lot with like 80,000 trees, uh, you, you, you it's, it's kind of like if I ran a marathon, I'd, I'd probably do okay the first half mile. And then after a while, you just kind of, I'd be sitting in a chair, smoking a cigarette, uh, watching everybody. That's kind that's kind of how I've, I've approached leaves this year. <laughs> uh, it hasn't, it hadn't stopped raining for like three years here. And, uh, and you just kind of like, you just look at it and you're like, you know what? I'm just going to go to the source. I'm cutting down all the damn trees, right? <laughs> like that's, that's kind of where my focus is. Uh, so God bless you for, for bucking up and, and blowing leaves this morning. Uh, I promise I did not do that. Uh, and, and even more exciting uh, than Will being here, we have Jeff Kneebone from the New England Aquarium who led the charge um, with uh the tagging program we pretty much this is kind of how it worked when we when we uh when we partnered up with the new england aquarium we got the money and the guides and pretty said pretty much said jeff you do everything else so uh jeff played a huge role in this um but jeff kneebone is joining us today and we're really appreciative appreciative of that jeff how are you doing buddy I'm doing all right. I'm uh, looking out my window at a big giant pile of leaves that I got to clean up over the weekend. I bought my first house ever last year. And one of the rules or the, I would say things that we had to have was a lot with less trees than our last house. And we succeeded in that, but we still have them and they still drop their leaves for us every year. So that's what I'll be doing over the next couple of days. But for right now, I'm happy to talk Albies. Well, um, you know, I have two words for you, fire pit. Um, that's kind of, <laughs> I'm going to build a fire pit the size of like an Olympic swimming pool in my backyard, and then I just don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, so, you know, Jeff, when we started this project, we, I think, all collectively had some serious concerns. Um, first of all, like none of us, there, there's, this has never been done on Albies before. Um, so there's just a huge amount of uncertainty there. And then there's risk involved because you're catching these things, you're putting a hole in them, you're putting an acoustic tag in them, sewing them back up and you're throwing them in. And, you know, we all know that when you catch an Albie, sometimes they bleed like a stuck pig. You know, sometimes you worry, uh, you know, what that release, uh, mortality is. Um, and when we got the preliminary data the other day that you sent us, it's pretty amazing, right? It was pretty amazing. So what, tell, tell the listeners, 
um you know what what were we seeing um with with the fish that we tagged and how many pinged and all that kind of good stuff yeah i'll just start out by saying that i we too were pleasantly surprised and we went in with this kind of the same i guess apprehension you know you know that they're potentially fragile fish and um we took special steps to maximize the chance of success i'd say you know we built this crazy tuna tube like thing to put the alveys in when we did the surgeries we tried to do the surgery as fast as possible and get the fish back in the water in the best condition possible and the like you said the preliminary data looks like that those efforts paid off um, we had really high survival you probably know better than me looking at the de the uh, actual form that I sent, but I want to say what did we get like fifty five of sixty three fish we detected fifty seven uh, uh, fifty uh, fifty seven, which is eighty six percent. It's ninety uh, ninety percent, Tony. Ninety percent. My bad. My I'm see. I'm glad Will's here. This is why Will's here today. I gotta I'm check not, you every now and then. Numbers numbers are not my thing. Um. So uh. So. Yeah, beyond our wildest expectations, right? I mean, for me, this stuff kept me up at night. Um, but, you know, fortune favors the bold. Um, we want Albies uh, to be, you know, at least treated with respect. People love them. Uh, you know, they, 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 their whole season revolves around when the Albies show up around Cape Cod and certainly in Harker's in uh in north carolina in the fall and uh and the more that we learn the better off the species is going to be so i'll tell you I'm, I'm looking at the document right now the other thing that almost made me fall out of my chair um was that the the amount of the amount of pings so jeff before i get into that just remind people and albie has this electronic tag insert surgically inserted into it and it emits a ping a sound and when it sent, swims past one of these receivers like a cell tower that receiver picks up the ping and that counts as one hit did i get that right you did okay so you know looking looking at this data um we basically these things are like the energizer bunnies um there was uh there's a lot of different charts in here folks but um one in table three that i'm looking at said summary of information of false albacore detections in a two-week intervals from august 20 to october 31 and the two-week interval from 9 16 to 9 30 detected 50 separate transmitters Five zero out of the fifty-seven that were detected, and had four thousand nine hundred and thirty-five detections. That's crazy. That's crazy. So all those transmitters in Nantucket Sound, fifty fish pinged almost five thousand times. They yep. swim really fast. I'm I'm looking at that, and my scientific assessment of that is these little guys can swim. You know, we're not we're not tagging sea robins, right? These this is a pretty cool species for this kind of research, right? Yeah, definitely. So to just I I know we talked about this in the previous podcast, but just to remind everyone what we did, we picked um Nantucket Sound as our study site for looking at, you know, trying this out with Albies because Tony talked about the cell phone system. So we use acoustic telemetry, which is like an electronic tag system that people use to track fish and turtles and horseshoe crabs and all kinds of different marine species. And uh, you basically put your acoustic tags, which in our case, ping every minute uh, out on the fish. And then we put our acoustic receivers, which are listening stations, basically all throughout Nantucket Sound. We had some on the north side of Nantucket, basically all the way up to Chatham, down past Bass River, Hyannis, uh, Osterville, all the way down to Falmouth. So covered pretty much the entirety of Nantucket Sound. 
but the receivers were spaced pretty far apart, you know, miles in some cases, several miles. So it's not like we had a receiver, you know, every little bit that could pick up these Albies. Uh, the receivers were spread out a lot. So the seeing a lot of detections told us that the, just what you said, their Energizer bunnies, they were moving all over the sound. And we also tried to spread out our tags throughout that entire study site. So we put some tags out off in Nantucket, we put some out off of uh, and some out of Falmouth. Like we really spread it out just to try to get an idea of how the Albies are using Nantucket sound. So in other words, are the ones that we tagged off, you know, Nantucket and Monomoy Island, are they, those ones just staying over there? Or they end up over in Falmouth, you know, a couple days or weeks later. And we, we found that they really do move a lot throughout the sound. They're kind of going all which ways. Um, fish were detected on multiple receivers throughout the sound. And that was really neat because um, that's how we determined that they survived, right? With acoustic telemetry, there's a couple ways that you can figure out if an animal survives or, or dies after you tag it. One, if it sinks to the bottom, next to a receiver, the tag will ping every minute and the receiver, if it's next to one, will just record it every minute and you end up with tens of thousands of observations basically every minute because that tag is sitting stationary right next to the receiver. The other way you look at survival is movement, right? So if you put a, if you release a fish and you can see that it's moving all over the place and getting detections at different spots, it basically tells us that there's a pretty good chance that this thing is alive and moving around. And that's, that's what we found. Jeff. So I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at table one and just to, just to put an exclamation point on what you said, we have kind of the individual fish listed by their transmitter ID. And, and some of the, some of the heroes in this, um, you know, fish transmitter ID 8887 got 325 detections it, over 22 days on 11 different receivers. Another one got 622 detections um, over 17 days on 10 separate receivers. And there's more. I mean, I'm looking, there's nine, eight receivers, 10 receivers. Um, you know, when you you have look you're the guy right the audience should know that you know jeff is out there a lot tagging sharks tagging tuna um i know the other day he was tagging cog which was a dream come true how did how did that go by the way it's actually, was it as wonderful was it as wonderful <laughs> as you imagined all these years we actually didn't get to do that yet um, next week, but I'm already dreaming about it and my dreams hopefully will come true. So no, certainly not to, we'll just, I'll just say, I'll use the sea robin analogy. I don't want to disparage Tog in any way. Um, but you know, you've with, between the sharks and the, I guess you've done bluefin tuna, yellowfin tuna. Um, you know, have, have you ever seen kind of this, this level of return for for individual fish with this volume of fish it, i look i've only seen a couple of these things and um and my my jaw hit the table um i i was shocked i mean is this i know it's tough for you to say you're a scientist you're not going to go out on a limb but like um this was obviously above our expectations uh, above everyone's expectations but have you ever seen you know, this level of returns over, over this time period with this, with this amount of fish? Uh, yeah, it's actually kind of comparable to what we see with, with sharks and bluefin and yellowfin, just in that they're, they're constantly moving, you know, your, your study site is big and you try to cover as much of it as you can with your receivers. You obviously can't cover all of it because they're highly migratory pelagic fishes, they go where they want. So it's on it's on par with what we've seen with bluefin and yellowfin, but it we were benefited by the fact that Nantucket Sound is like they're hold they're captive in there, right? That's where they want to be. And we, we covered the entirety of it pretty well. So it's different from when we tag like 
blue fins or yellow fins and, and there's no boundaries, right? It's, it's the open ocean. And, uh, so we did a little bit better with the Albies just because of the kind of the layout of Nantucket sound. So, which was great. Well, I, I know Will has been scanning the data uh, feverishly to, to uh, benefits for personal benefit of Albi fishing next year. Will, what did you, you know, you're, a, you're as we mentioned in, previously in the podcast, you're kind of the numbers guy. What jumped out at you, man? Like, I know we were all pretty darn excited when we saw this. Yeah, I mean, Tony, I think you, it's hard to ignore the fact that this worked right like we we all went in with pretty low expectations um i know a lot of people i was i was talking to they're like you know are you guys doing a fool's errand right like these things all die um but clearly they don't so you know i'm certainly excited to do this again next year because we're going to start you know seeing where these fish potentially go down the coast um whether they're the same oh, fish you ruined my surprise oh well that was going to say that on the podcast. Uh, well, we can. So, so you know, like, folks, when you do this stuff, like, you don't know. Like, <laughs> for, you don't know what's going to happen. And you certainly you sure as heck don't know if you got funding for the next year. Right. So like a like a kid at Christmas, we got this uh, we got this data. And immediately after the first phone call that we had with Jeff to review it, ran around uh annoying about 50 for 50 percent of our sponsors and within 24 hours i was able to happily email jeff and say, plan for 2023 we are funded um which is about as exciting as it gets so uh yeah so, so that, that cat is cool out that cat is out of the bag yeah yeah well i mean hey you know you know it's been a pretty crummy couple of weeks for fisheries stuff and we're delivering a message that, you know, thanks to the team at New England Aquarium, um, these fish survived or pinging like crazy or, you know, or we're getting just loads of data on them. We're really excited, um, you know, about the data that we're going to get in the upcoming months from other receiver arrays up and down the coast. And then we'll, you know, as long as we're letting all the cat out of the bag, why don't we, you know, cause we, I think most of the listeners know we're, you know, we kind of do stuff multi-pronged. So we have a, we have a science, uh, a science prong, um, to, to get more data on Albies that worked. And then we also have a policy policy wing of this, where we're trying to get them managed. Will, why don't you, uh, why don't you share with everyone what happened yesterday at the South Atlantic council? Yeah. So, I mean, we, had some good news yesterday. Um, the council was set to consider um, kind of our Albi letter that we, you know, ramped up uh, support for earlier this fall. Um, and they were going to review a staff develop white paper and which kind of went through, you know, all the different ways, um, all the different, you know, values and factors Al Albies uh, contribute to um, South Atlantic States and other fisheries so we were pretty excited by the response it was you know people might have disagreed on whether or not albies you know are in immediate need of management but all around the table we were hearing that people care about this fish and you know don't don't think that it should just go um completely you know forgotten and just let it blow in the wind so ultimately a, a motion by um council member Gary Borland came up uh to consider um to develop like fishery performance reports which kind of just tracks landings other sources of data um about albies and you know what ultimately happened was um the council agreed that that something like that should happen and now council staff have a directive to develop a fishery performance report and consider some additional um, data and additional analyses um, every three years for albies. So for a species that was previously had nothing and no one knew anything about, 
Um, the council will be looking at Albies every three years, and we are now uh, providing, um, or we will hopefully be providing some additional life characteristics and biological uh, information about this species too. So a lot moving in the right direction for this incredibly important species. Now I would, that is awesome news. Um, you know, the, the ASGA team um, has been working on this for months. And when we, when we heard this and there are multiple people, uh, board members, you know, staff, volunteers that have been have been kind of pouring their hearts and souls into this policy side and while this is not the end game you know this wasn't everything that we wanted when you move the ball in fisheries policy these days you know tip of the cap to everyone everyone who sent letters in all of our all of our friends and in, in the industry that signed on to our letter um you made a difference and we kind of won one you know i would i would put it like we were at zero and we moved the ball to about the 35 yard line so um that doesn't mean that it's not going to go backwards before it goes forwards again this is going to be a long you know it's all this stuff is a war of attrition um but you know special thanks to the members of the south atlantic council who uh thoughtfully you know went through this um from the the chairman of the um the the mackerel coastal pelagics board uh to all the members of that board um for actually having a thoughtful conversation about it um will's gonna will's gonna put together a blog on that to get down into the nitty-gritty but um but holy mackerel you know pun intended uh get it coastal plastic yeah. that's just sorry it's fish nerd humor i'm sorry the guys on the screen are laughing if y'all aren't in the cars feverishly so um feverishly laughing will can barely contain himself um so uh so yeah i mean wow the the project went well better than we ever imagined and uh and we actually kind of introduced a little bit of management uh, this stuff doesn't happen all the time so while we're uh I, you know i kind of said that the project for 2023 was fully funded eh well you know that's a little bit of a slippery slope. We'll see um, once the money hits the bank. But there's there's a couple things that you know may add additional cost um, to the project, but they're good things. Um, and Jeff, could you kind of share, you know, what you told us about the difference with the acoustic tags and and the benefits of maybe using a little bit more expensive but higher tech tags for 2023 and what that could tell us over a longer period of time. I'm I'll shut up now, but you know, from what I guess for the audience, from what we learned from doing this, um, doing this last year, Jeff has kind of, Jeff had kind of a couple of recommendations for us that were also pretty exciting for 2023. And could you explain that to folks about the different kind of tags that we would use the longevity of the battery life and like, how we could learn better things about catch and release mortality, all that kind of good stuff that you were teaching us about the other day. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to talk for a while because there's a lot to unpack there. So this year it was a pilot study. We wanted to know if the albums would survive. We checked that box. We were pretty confident that they did. One of uh, the primary objective was to look at movements, right? So we talked about what we learned. They move a lot around Nantucket Sound, which may have already been known by the savvy guides in the region, but we now have some scientific data to show just how much they move on a kind of day-to-day, week-to-week basis. The next objective is to look at the coastal migration. So we'll talk, and you talked about you know, getting detections um, from other places, you know, down the line now. So the tags we used this year, they have about, I think it's around 350 day battery life. So they ping every minute for around 350 days. So that means that we're gonna be able to get data hopefully from the batch of tags this year until next summer. So if they if the fish migrate back to New England, we should be able to document that. And we should hopefully be able to see where they end up during the winter because a lot of other people put these acoustic receivers out 
along the coast. And uh, we participate in a data sharing network that kind of brings all the researchers together and lets them share data and basically expand the scope of their research. So that's the hope. That's where we're at now and where we'll be in the coming months. Next year, I think our work in Nantucket Sound can be expanded by looking a little bit more at post-release mortality. So when we saw these detections right away, um, my supervisor looked at him and he said, how do you know that's not sandbar sharks that scavenged algae that died uh, after release, you know, and just laying on the bottom and you're actually tracking a shark now instead of an algae. And I said, well, I'm not 100% sure that they're albies, but looking at the movements and where they ended up and when they ended up leaving Nantucket Sound, we're pretty sure that they are. You know, what we're seeing is indicative of a, of a, a live albie swimming around. But to kind of confirm that, you can use tags that have accelerometers in them. Like accelerometers just are these little devices that detect movement. Like they're in your cell phones, you know, when you twist your phone left and right in the screen flips to orient up and down, that's an, an accelerometer. And they, when they're put into acoustic tags, they can tell you all kinds of things acceleration and one of the things you can look at is tail beat frequency so that's basically how fast um, the animal that has the tag is beating its tail and if you can imagine the tail beat frequency of an albie is a lot different than that of probably like a sandbar shark so if we use tags that have the ability to give us information on tail beat frequency we'll be able to confirm that yes indeed we are tracking albies and not something else that happened to eat an albie, a living albie, or, or scavenge a dead one off the bottom. So that's um, one of the goals for next year is to try to use some of these tags to get more information. And that will give us better information about post-release mortality. So as we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, we weren't really sure if albies would be able to survive um, tagging because there's concern that they're not even able to survive just being caught and released. So we pampered them because of that. Like I said, we built these sophisticated tuna tubes to make sure that when they were out of the water, there was water flowing over the gills and they were able to breathe throughout the whole process. But as we know, that doesn't happen in, you know, normal fishing activities. People take an albie out of the water, take the hook out, take photos and then release it however they want. So obviously they're not breathing water when they're out, you know, on a boat being handled. So our, you know, we were a little bit biased, I'd say, in our ability to look at post-release mortality under real world conditions. So that would be um, something we could look at next year. So basically, instead of pampering the albies when they're on deck and making sure that they're in the best possible condition, we just kind of let the fishermen catch them, handle them how uh, they always do. We just quickly pop a tag in them and then throw them over. And that would uh, give us a kind of a better, more unbiased look at post-release mortality and what actually happens in the real world when these, these fish are caught and released. And then the good news is that any fish that survives is going to go into our bigger pool for looking at coastal migration. So it's like a bonus um, and it'll just add more data to what we've already collected so far and hope to collect over the next year as these things swim up and down the coast. And Jeff, just for our listeners here, um, what is kind of your expectation on when some of that information might start filtering in, you know, if, if they are going you know, south along the coast. Yeah, so it's hard to say exactly, but the telemetry data sharing networks that we would participate in kind of have data dumps every six months. I think the last one was in September. So March it sticks out of my mind as a time when a lot of people um, share data and you, you kind of get that return. So we've uploaded all of our tag IDs to that database. So the next, if anyone gets detections between now and March and uploads their detection data to, the, to that network, we'll, we'll see it probably in late March. And then uh, 
especially down south. And if these things go down to the Florida or the Carolinas, those guys do a lot of their work in the spring, like in April. And we end up uh, getting a lot of data from other species that make their way down there in uh, around June. So, you know, it's going to be a while before we see if we got any information. But like you said, you know, seeing what we got so far, we're, we're pretty optimistic and hopeful that we, we will get something. How how cool is it going to be, guys, next summer if some of these fish ping back in Nantucket Sound and there's like that site fidelity? I mean, that's really, to me, that's, that's going to be the secret sauce, you know, like, oh my, like, and you start, you start kind of understanding because when you know nothing about the fish, you know, under, knowing that like, this is, this is their migrational route, you know, that's a lot. And then on top of that, we have all of our DNA uh, fin clip stuff going on right now at Cornell. And we have the spaghetti tags out. So, you know, this is, I don't know, this is pretty cool stuff. Jeff, there was also, you had mentioned a tag in our conversation that instead of, you know, you said that there was one that was instead of the surgery, um, you know, it's like an external tag so you can replicate um, the, the true handling of the fish because we want to be honest about this science, um, unlike some other tagging programs that are going on right now that I won't mention <clears throat> for some favorite fish of ours but I won't, I won't talk about that. Um, but we want to be honest as far as the science goes with that. But you said that there were slightly larger tags that had like seven year battery life on them. So, I mean, imagine, you know, even if we could just deploy some of them to have that, that data for seven years, I mean, I, realistically, we don't even know how long Albies live. I mean, we probably have a guess but you know you don't even that's it seven years for these for these guys the way that they swim that'd be a, that would paint a pretty cool picture i would imagine yeah definitely so there's a couple of things i'll comment on there one is uh you know we used both external and internal tags this year so i had um the most the lion's share of them were internal i talked about using that tuna tube and we did the surgeries and we put the tags inside the alveys. So we did that with 50 and then um, I had 13 external tags laying around. So the external tags are basically the same exact tag that we put inside the fish. They've just got this little end cap epoxied on and you can rig them up so you can put them in the fish just like you would a spaghetti tag. And obviously that's way easier because it's way faster. You know, you get an albie out of the water, you're holding it up to take the hook out anyways, you pop the tag right in, it takes two seconds, and then you're not handling it so much like getting it, doing the surgeries and everything. So that's how we kind of replicate the real world situation better and, re and reduce the tagging bias because, you know, we there's so much handling that we require when we do surgery, that doesn't happen in the real world. If you use an external tag, you can just pop it in and be done with it in seconds. So the, the tags themselves all come in different sizes, right? So we're kind of using not the smallest tag, but kind of like the next one up. And um, the tags are limited by the battery. Like most of the tag is battery because you want it to last for a while. So you go to a bigger tag, it's got a bigger battery, it lasts longer. So we could definitely try to use a couple bigger tags that, like Tony said, they can, they can last for a... I think the ones that I'm using now in bluefin, yellowfin are like, there's six and a half or seven years pinging every minute and a half. So kind of the same, but you need a bigger fish, right, to get that tag in. So if we got a good run of bigger albies next year, we could probably pop a couple of those in and, and see how that works. It would, again, be another pilot, you know, you're testing the waters to see if we now know that they can handle these little tags, you know, if we triple the size of the tag or double the size of the tag, does it have the same result? So that's kind of another thing that we can uh, test next year, but if it works, it's, it's a high reward because, uh, you know, I've gotten, data from some sharks that I've used these bigger tags on for, for 10 years. Uh, wow. 
it's the amount of information you get is crazy. Like I tagged these little uh, sand tiger sharks basically when they were about maybe six months old uh, and about three feet long. And 10 years later, I was still getting data from that same fish when it was probably seven, eight feet long and 300 pounds. So we tracked, you know, it's just so the power of um, the tags is, is so great and the longevity is huge. You just learn so much more about how the animals live uh, over many, many years. Jeff, you were talking about sandbars before. Y'all get sandbars up in your area now? Is that kind of a new thing? No, it's it's been going on for, I mean, as long as I can remember, decades. Um, okay. We've just okay. started to do a lot of research on sandbars. So the acoustic receivers that we have in Nantucket mm-hmm. Sound also uh, are there to track sandbar sharks and sea turtles. So we use the same acoustic tags that we put in the albies. Um, we have a colleague at the aquarium and the, and the vet staff, they put them on or in uh, sea turtles. We have a student working on Nantucket who tags sandbar sharks and sand tiger sharks. So we kind of uh, have like uh, a, a, mo- sandbar, a sandbar shark tried to bite me <laughs> many years ago. And like, I, it was a big one. He's probably like six and a half. I mean, he's big, he's big sandbar shark, six and a half feet long. It was a big one. And we were, we were waiting <clears throat> on this flat in Delaware for flounder and man it was like cast iron gray skies like rain something you know just dawn but like one of those days where it's just cold nasty and you can barely tell from like where the water was to where the sky starts and uh and I, I'm I, I hooked this little flounder and we we you know it's like two foot of water we drift flies for these this real cool way to fish like niche within a niche fishery and uh, and I hooked this I hooked this flounder, and he went straight up to the surface. That is not normal behavior for a flounder when you hook him. And uh, and he's like fighting on the surface, and I'm like, well, that's weird. You know, they usually kind of glue themselves to the bottom, and it's like a tug of war. And I see a fin come up behind him, and I'm like, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, like this is not something. Yeah, I'm like a half mile from the from the from the beach, and I was like, I right, man, this is not this is this is bad. And, um, and, you know, I had a pretty, pretty good sized fulcrum with a nine foot fly rod. Actually, I was probably using my two hander. So it was like a 14 foot fly rod. And I flipped that flounder, uh, out of the water so fast, put like the GI Joe Kung Fu grip on his ass, ripped that fly out and threw him like a hand grenade at, uh, at the, at the battle of Bastogne, man, as far as I could. And I sat there for like, you know, 30 seconds, felt like two days uh just being like you know didn't see the fin you know was hoping that shark heard the splash and went after the flounder and kind of started to get like normal some bitch came up on my left side rubbed right against me like tail came up in the air like like got me wet with water i mean i jumped i screamed like a three-year-old who saw a spider and i probably set the record for like vertical uh, vertical jump, like standing still. I think the bottom of my wading boots were out of the water. And, um, and I think I had a mini stroke and, uh, I just sat there for a couple of minutes, just praying to God that he didn't come back around and he didn't, but I have a, I have a, uh, I have a well-founded dislike of sandbar sharks and I try to avoid them at every cost. So whoever your lab person is who has to do that, they can bend really far. Like I'm pretty sure they can come around and bite their own tail. Just give them a heads up that you you met somebody, almost got some stitches from one one day, and will never really go around them again. If I have, if we're we're not going to get boats for you to tag sandbars, we're kind of off that off that list. We'll still stick to albies if that's okay with you. Um, so uh, so yeah, I mean y'all are tagging a lot of stuff. We're gonna do the albie project. You, you told us a lot about those tags and all I heard was seven year lifespan. And they're about twice as much as the ones that we were putting in. So if anybody's listening, we'll probably run some kind of sponsorship program for those tags because we would love to put them in. We'd love to have an opportunity to kind of do a beta test on those long life tags, but ye gods, are they expensive? So, uh, so we'll, we'll let y'all know, uh, in, in the beginning of 2023, how you can help out with that. And, um, Jeff, if you had an opportunity to tell your staff, um, 
that uh, that they'll probably be doing the Albie stuff. I know they were pretty excited when they saw the data. Um, are y'all are y'all pretty pumped up to be doing that again in twenty three with us? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we went in last year thinking it was a pilot, and sometimes pilots go somewhere. Sometimes they go nowhere, right? And uh, it's it fits great with what we're already doing. Um, we're really expanding our work in the Nantucket Sound region, and we have a bunch of other uh, irons in the fire with the telemetry wise. So it, it's just a fantastic opportunity to learn more, and we're excited to, you know expand our questions you know really maybe fine-tune our what we understand about post-release mortality and hopefully learn a lot more about coastal migrations and the you know the fidelity like you said if do those fish come back to nantucket sound uh year after year like it's just really really interesting stuff and i'm glad to hear the policy uh progress um it seems to fit really nicely into what you guys are pushing so hope it's great that we're putting together a story yeah and jeff one other thing i wanted to um note on you know looking at kind of where and when these things were all tagged and detected there were a lot of fish that stayed in the sound for like more than like a way longer than a month so they these fish kind of a lot of these fish aren't coming kind of in a pulse and leaving but some are but what i'm seeing here is you know some of these fish are setting up in nantucket sound and sticking around a lot longer than people thought they did and you know last year last year was a pretty good albie year by a lot of accounts too but um you know as we continue to build on this you know when they come in you know whether there's a certain way they flush in all of this is going to be i know you know for me it's just just like whoa you know trying to piece all these puzzles all these puzzle pieces together that you know, you've tried to do through, you know, guides and, you know, other uh, folks who are fellow Albi fanatics, but um, just curious if you had any last, uh, last minute additions to, you know, what you found from some of this data. Uh, well, I will say that we probably, we hauled our receivers out on Halloween uh, and we deploy our acoustic receivers on Coast Guard navigation leads. So we asked for permission from the Coast Guard to do that because um, they already have the buoys all over the sound and they're kind of at really good choke points. Like they're on shoals and in channels, places where you tend to think fish hang out or like at junctions where two different bodies of water kind of meet. So we... We put the receivers on them, but uh, you know, working next to a, a massive steel buoy requires a certain set of conditions. Basically, it's got to be calm, so we can uh, take the receivers off um, properly and safely. So we pulled them in uh, late October, just because you know we're always worried about that fall unpredictable weather, and those calm days are few and far between. But going fishing for togs out in Nantucket Sound after Halloween, I could, there was albies for weeks. Um, we were seeing them as we were anchored up tog fishing. So number one is. And again, while you guys were, you know, deciding to pull them, like no one knew what was going to come out of it too. So it was like, you know, kind of itchy to right. itchy to get something. Yep. Yeah. We were eager to, to, to find out what we had. And, um, but basically long story short is that uh, we, we could have left them in for longer because there were albies around into November and uh, next year we'll do our best to extend that season as best we can. You know, it's always a concern with weather, but the one cool thing is like we said, we will have the receivers out in the sound next year. So if any fish do return, you know, the receivers will be there waiting for them and listening for them. And we'll be able to see, like you said, you know, which direction they're coming from. Are they coming from the East between and uh, Nantucket are they coming through are they coming through the western part of this you know vineyard sound all or is it all the above and when does it happen so next year is uh we stand to to learn a lot it's that second season that we look forward to a lot with this telemetry work because you know we were tagging all the way into October and if the fish you know we only got a couple weeks of observation for some but if any come back next year we're going to get the full gamut like we're going to hopefully know exactly when they show up where how long they stay 
and then our next batch of tags next year will we'll start the process over again. Jeff, this is totally anecdotal here, but just from you know some reports, some talking to some folks, those early season albies that hit the you know the sounds and particularly um or I won't say particularly um were kind of the the bigger albies of the push. Was were those albies that you guys got tags out early? Were they any any bigger, do you think, than the later season ones? Or um I'm just thinking for like when they come back, you know, that might be a an aspect to look at to stick some of those bigger tags in potentially. I think we got a couple bigger ones. I, I want to say that uh, the ones around Nantucket were, were a little bit bigger than we were seeing up on the Cape side. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, those bigger ones are going to be the ones that we want to target if we do any of those uh, larger tags, because we just want to make sure we're always conscious of animal welfare. You know, <clears throat> the data are no good if the tag that you put in the animal affects the animal adversely. Like, it, it, you know, nothing. It's like adding, having us walk around with a parachute or something. You know, if if they're if the tags are screwing up the animals' movements, then there's a chance that movements may not be real. So we're always conscious of using the right size tag for the right size fish. <clears throat> but yeah, we'll we'll be hopeful that a couple of those big albies show up, and hopefully we'll be able to pounce at the opportunity if and when they do. Well, I'll tell you, one of the most gratifying things for me was all those little negative comments that kept me up at night and made my hair fall out in clumps. I have one thing to say. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> this thing worked. Um, you know, in in huge part due to the professionalism and experience of the folks at the New England Aquarium. Um, we are thrilled. Uh, we're going to refocus on all of this. Um, you know, for 2023, we're going to take all the lessons that we learned, apply it. We're going to try to learn new things. Um, there's just, there's a, there's a world of data. I think that, that we're fixing to get, um, and, and, you know, really the, the tail on this thing is going to be very long. It doesn't even necessarily mean that it's going to end in 2023. Um, I think as long as as long as our community is engaged and wants this, uh, we're going to do our best to keep it going. Uh, it's going to feed into the policy work. It's going to help managers make the best decisions, learn a lot about these fish. And, you know, frankly, I, I hope it's a template for for more species and for recreational anglers stepping up to the plate on fish that they care about but managers have a hard time managing um for us to provide more data in a meaningful way with partnerships with scientists and and aquariums and universities and all of these things uh where everyone's kind of rowing in the right direction and i mean that's what i you know in all of this stuff here's 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 life advice will maybe that'll be a new segment of the guidepost when we're shutting down Tony's life advice I, I, for most of Tony, this could you think so. Will? Th this could go many different ways, but let, let, let's, uh, Oh, I know. Let, let's, I know. Let's Everyone see hold, how on this, your, how this, hold on to your bonnets. It'll be a pilot. Jeff, it'll be a write, pilot segment. Jeff, write this down, write this down. There's, you know, I, I always joke around. I'm pretty sure that I, no one's going to remember this phrase or anything. I always call it the marathon effect. You know, there are people in this world, right? that you could break the world's record on the marathon and some jackass would watch you crossing the finish line and send you a text and say your left shoe was untied. And you're like, well, but I just, I just broke the world's record for the marathon. Like, no, your left shoe was untied. And I think, um, you know, there was a, I think there's a little meme going around that Albert Einstein did something and, and he did like, you know, this thing on a chalkboard and it was, you know, one times one is one, one times two is two. And he worked his way down and he said, you know, one times nine is 12 and one times 10 is 10. And all the, all the kids in the class are like, you missed that one. You missed that one. And the lesson is everyone in the world, you know, doesn't mention that he got nine out of 10, right. 
It's just the one that you missed. You know, that one little thing that people want to point out and be like, eh, you're wrong. Well, you know what? Fortune favors the bold, folks. We weren't wrong. People are going to complain about everything. But this is bigger than Albies. It's bigger than a lot of stuff. One of the biggest bottlenecks in everything that we do is data collection. And, and the biggest part of that bottleneck is on the recreational side. So, like, we have to find new and creative ways to collect data on these species and to, it, it, that we care about and to be part of the system in a proactive, productive way. And, you know, this, this Albacore project, man, somebody's on my, somebody's on all of our sides upstairs because, uh, because man, it was, it was, it, <laughs> it could have gone bad, uh, and it didn't. So, you know, we want to use this as a template to continue to work with science and managers. Um, so we can kind of hand this information over and hope that these species can be, you know, looked at a little bit differently. We can learn something from them and, and maybe some of the stuff that we collect will ensure that, you know, generations to come can enjoy catching these fish uh, because we understand them better. So I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling pretty chipper on this Friday morning. Uh, we got back to back awesome news. Thanks to the hard work of a lot of different folks working together, which is awesome in and of itself. And, um, and a huge thanks to all of our sponsors, all the supporters, whether you bought a Albi ornament, one of the Albi ornaments that we got for, uh, that we had on the website for Christmas, maybe you bought one of the Albi shirts. And to sponsor yeah, Tony, maybe. we should probably re yeah. replug the Albi shirt. I mean, that those are directly funding tags and stuff. There's a couple, there's yeah, a couple so left, right? The, if you, ha yeah, there's a couple left. If you go, if you go on the website. Um, we got some pretty awesome sim shirts with some pretty awesome graphics on it uh, and a very limited amount. Uh, gosh, I think they're only like 50. And um, and if you buy one of those for $250, uh, every penny uh, of that will go directly to fund the Albi project for 2023. Um, and, and, uh, and, you know, maybe our hope is like what we're kind of trying to work on the back end is uh is maybe um you know we can assign these people with the albi shirts uh a specific fish that you sponsored kind of like adopt a highway or something like that but we're we're working on that for 2023 uh and hopefully have some hopefully have some information out about that but you know folks it takes a village and uh and my god the villagers love albies um that's that's about all I have to say. More than I ever thought was possible. So, uh, so you know, thank all y'all. Thank thank everyone that I listed. Thank Will for busting his hump on on the policy side of the Albi stuff. Thank Jeff and his team of scientists. We couldn't ask for better partners to to get this done and, and get this data. And you know, folks, we're gonna we're gonna end on that kind of positive note. Do not forget. But if you have any questions, send your comments to comments at saltwaterguidesassociation.org. If we read it on the air, you will win yourself a brand new pair of Schnazzy Costas, whichever ones you want. Um, thank you all for listening, and, uh, and you'll hear from us again real soon. Mm -hmm.